Come on, why don't you lift your voice as you clap your hands? Come on, let's just entertain the sweet presence of the Lord for just a moment. Come on, why don't somebody just shout out, and I love you, Jesus. Come on, tell him again, I love you, Jesus. Come on, it's in order. Tell him again, I love you, Jesus. Come on now, why don't you take those hands that you're clapping and lift them as high as you can and connect with the anointing that's flowing in this house. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a sweet, wonderful presence of the Lord that is in this house this morning. And I am so appreciative of the Spirit of the Lord that I feel. And it's what we are feeling today that makes the difference. It is God's presence and God's anointing that allows us to live a life of victory and a life of success. And I am thankful that we can gather together in His name. And as we worship Him in spirit and in truth, that He is mindful of those of us who desire Him. Aren't you thankful for what you feel here today? Are you thankful for what you've been feeling here since Wednesday night? It is indeed an honor to stand before so many great young people. And I love you. I love young people. And it is an honor to have been asked to come and to get to be a very small part of the great things that God has done and is doing and going to do this week. It started off so wonderfully and with such an anointing Wednesday night. You couldn't ask for any better than what Brother Prada preached to us here Wednesday evening. Powerful, powerful word of the Lord. And then yesterday, Brother Copeland preached with such anointing and such a powerful, convicting message. And then last night, Brother Miles Young, just it, it wasn't fair for him to get to have that much fun while preaching. How many of you enjoyed the preaching of the word of the Lord last night? I give honor to all of the great men of God who are in this house. I give honor to the executive council, to the youth council, the men who are responsible for trusting me enough to come and preach to you today. I am very happy to have my wife and my three children here with me. And I love my wife. I love our children. And she is what keeps me grounded and uh, I love and appreciate my wife so very 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 much haven't these musicians and singers and just have they done such a wonderful job these gentlemen that have been being cadets this week having a true heart of a servant we're just a blessed people aren't we why would anybody not want to live the life we're living? This is a good life.
If you have your Bibles today, I would like to invite you to the Gospel of Luke. I want to read from the Gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter. And I want to begin reading in the 29th verse, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 21. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 21, verse number 29. I do feel that God has dealt with my spirit and spoke to me concerning what to preach to you about here today. And I'm trusting that you will help me. I know that God is going to help me. And I believe something is going to be stirred within us today. And when we are stirred by His Spirit, I believe it's going to go beyond just what's happening here this week. And I believe you're going to take it back home with you. And God is going to do miraculous things in your local assembly. Luke chapter number 21, verse number 29. And he spake unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not Pass away. And then he transitions right here and he begins to talk directly to us. He says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come up on you unawares. For as a snare shall it come, not, to, not just to a few, not just to a handful over here and a couple over there. He said, but for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Then he warns us to watch ye therefore and pray Always watch ye therefore and pray always watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. He said, this day it's coming. You're not going to be able to escape its coming. But if you want to escape what it's going to bring, you better watch, and you better know how to pray. And if God would help me today, 
I want to preach to you from this very simple thought. And my title is my subject, and it can be debated, but it's my opinion. And I want to preach to you from this Pentecost's most needed revival. I want to preach to you today about Pentecost's most needed revival. The word revive means to activate, to set in motion, or to take up again. It means to bring back into use, to make operative or valid again, to revitalize, to reemanate, to rouse, and to refresh. And I want to propose to you today that if we've never needed to activate and if we have ever needed to set in motion and if we have ever needed to take up again and bring back to use our ability to watch and to pray, it's today, it's this hour, and it's in this generation. Will you lift your hands and ask God to help us this morning? God, I need your help today. In my flesh, there is no good thing, God. I can't do anything if you don't help me right now. There are hungry hearts here that are open to receive your word. I pray, God, that you would use me in a mighty way for your glory. I pray that you would give us an ear and a heart to receive. Let your glory fill this house. Help us today. Help us right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you feel the presence of the Lord, I want you to put your hands together. And I want you to thank God right now. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You may be seated here today. I believe with everything that is in me that we are living in the very last of the last days. I really believe that. I know that we've heard it preached for a long, 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 long time. I know that we have been warned and cautioned about it for so many years that now almost when you speak it, the attitude of, yeah, right, comes into the house. But we are living in the last days. Jesus Christ is soon to make his second coming and catch away those that have made themselves ready. I really do believe today that I'm preaching to that generation to whom the ends of the world shall come. And I think it is of utmost importance that we continually to remind ourselves and never grow uh, to the place where we are not thinking about it and where it is not in our subconsciousness, if nothing else, that this day that is so quickly approaching us is a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. We must understand today that eternity is forever. And there are not many places to spend eternity. There are only two places in which all mankind shall spend eternity. 
One of those places is so beautiful. It's going to be so wonderful. It's going to be a place where there's no pain, a place where there is overwhelming joy, a place of such praise and worship, and a place that nobody in their right mind would want to miss. But the other option is one where the worm dieth not, where the fire is not quenched. It's going to be a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I want to preach to you today that heaven is a real place, but hell is also a very real place. And every one of us here today and every one of us in this world, anybody who has ever breathed the breath of life is going to spend eternity in one of those two places. Uh, That's why the apostle said, while it's called today, do not wait for tomorrow. Don't live off of yesterday. Don't anticipate tomorrow. But while it is called today, uh, make your calling uh, and your election sure. There needs to be an urgency come about us again. We, we need a revival of urgency that we understand that I'm not just living a footloose, fancy-free life, uh, but there are consequences one way or the other for my actions. Uh, I'm either doing things that the consequences are going to be heaven, uh, or I'm participating and I'm in things uh, that the consequences are going to be a eternity in hell. We must understand and remind ourselves that it's not a figment of some man's imagination. But all of this is going to wrap up and come to a close as we know it. And eternity is going to begin. We are warned to not be deceived. We are told that in these last days that anything that can be shaken is going to be shaken up. In Matthew the 24th chapter, the 36th verse, uh, Jesus was speaking and he said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Uh, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, uh, marrying and giving in marriage uh, until the day that Noah entered into the ark uh, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. uh, So shall also uh, the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, And then it's these next two verses that cause me to want to be aware of my surroundings. It's these next two verses uh, that cause me to want to always keep it at the forefront of my thoughts and my actions that there's an end coming to all this because he said, then two shall be in the field uh, and one shall be taken and the other left. Uh, He said, two women shall be grinding at the meal. Uh, One of them shall be taken uh, and the other one left. Uh, I've come to tell you today uh, that there is a day quickly approaching to us uh, that we are either going to be caught up and called away uh, or we're going to experience uh, the most terrible acts of damnation uh, that could ever come to man uh, and I don't know about you uh, but I'm not interested uh, in missing heaven uh, I don't know about you uh, but I'm not interested uh, in living eternity uh, in a place of torment uh, eternity uh, in a place of great destruction uh, and most importantly eternity in a place void of the presence of God.
Jesus instructed us himself how to not be the one in the field that is left and how to not be the one grinding at the mill without being taken away. Luke chapter number 21, verse number 34, we used it as our text. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. He began to go through some things, drunkenness, the cares of this life. And he said, if you get so caught up and if you don't keep the main thing, the main thing, if you get distracted, if you get sidetracked, uh, he said, there's some things unaware that's going to catch up to you and get a hold of you. Uh, And then he began to give us instructions uh, and he began to help us understand that there is a way to escape the damnation. There is a way to escape the wrath. There is the way to escape the consequences of the vile and the evil and the unrighteous. He said, if you're going to escape, if you're not going to be left behind, there are two things that are an absolute and a must for your lives. He said, you have to be able to watch and you have to be able to pray. You have to be able to watch and you have to be able to pray. I went to the dictionary. I'm not a very smart man. I'm, I, I don't have a, a, a big education. Matter of fact, I'm the redneck of all this. But I do have enough sense to look up things. And I went to the dictionary and I just wanted to see what they had to say about this word watch as it's used in the gospel of Luke, and the word watch means to be alertly on the lookout, to look attentively for what is to come or to happen. But it's not just to be on the lookout, but it also means to be very careful, to be very careful, to keep vigil and to guard. It means to guard, to tend, to oversee, especially for protection and safekeeping. Another writer said it means to be sober and on guard. And if there's ever been a generation that needs a revival of carefulness, if there's ever been a generation that needs a revival to guard that which has been committed unto us, if there's ever been a generation that needs to recognize uh, we can't handle carelessly uh, the holy uh, and we can't handle as common uh, that which is not common uh, if there's ever been a generation uh, that needs to learn how to watch uh, it's our generation we live in a generation consumed with unconcern They don't care about anything. Unconcerned with what people think. Unconcerned with their parents' opinions. Unconcerned with what their pastor teaches and preaches. Unconcerned. We live in a very careless society. If we were in a careful society... Abortion would not be a debatable issue. Gay right would not be something up for debate. 
But we live in an age where people are so unconcerned and they are so careless that they give no thought for what I'm doing today. How is this going to affect me tomorrow? And sadly enough is the fact that it's not just our world that has become so careless. And it's not just our world that has quit being careful. But it is creeping into the church. And there's this attitude trying to become so prevalent among us that says, well, let's just get along to get along. Let, let's, let's not identify something if it might cause a little bit of friction between this one or that one. Let's, you, you know, we're, we're all entitled to our opinion. We're all entitled to the way we think. You know, that's contrary to what God's word says. This book is not up for somebody's personal revelation. It, 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 it doesn't matter who they are where they are or what they have behind their last name it's not up for private interpretation this is a book that has to be taken very carefully and very seriously it's a book that it's got to be line upon line and precept upon precept it's pure It's unadulterated. uh, It's holy. uh, And it is what it is, whether I like it or whether you like it or whether anybody else likes it. uh, And we've got to get an understanding uh, that it's the book uh, and what's in the book that's going to save us. uh, And if I'm going to be saved, uh, I've got to be concerned uh, with what does the Bible say? I'm not up here preaching today to entertain you. I'm up here preaching today because I want to see you saved. I'm not up here trying to figure out some new thing so I can ooh you and awe you and you'd say, well, I've never heard it like that before. I'm up here trying to help you understand uh, that something new is not going to save us. Uh, It's what's in the Bible that is going to save us. Uh, It's not enticing words of man's wisdom that's going to help you hear well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. Uh, But it's going to be the unadulterated uh, preaching uh, of exactly what's in the word of God. And we've got to be careful to guard this treasure that God's given us. We can't handle it carelessly. We can't shrug it off when somebody twists it and manipulates it and tries to make it fit their opinion. At the end of the day, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. The Hebrew writer said this, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time 
we should let them slip away. You know what he was trying to help us understand? You can receive it and it can get away from you and you can lose it. And what you have to do to keep from losing it is you have to keep guarding it. You have to keep protecting it. You have to keep a man in it when it's right, whether you agree with it or not. And you have a responsibility to challenge it when it's wrong, uh, whether they agree with it or not. Because it's the holy, infallible, forever settled word of the Lord. He said, if the word spoken by angels with steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, he said this, how shall we escape if we neglect, if we handle carelessly, if we do not card, if we do not protect, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation of Paul writing to the Philippian church said therefore my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved and then he goes on to say I entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel and Clement also with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life then he said this rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, let your moderation, let your carefulness, let your moderation, let your soberness, let your moderation be known unto all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Peter said it on this wise, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. He went on to say a chapter later, be sober, be careful. Be careful, be sober. Don't get so drunk with the cares of this life that you quit being sober and that you fail to realize today could be my last day. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Over and over, the words of Jesus is repreached through the hands of the apostles in their writing. Watch. Be on guard. 
Be careful. Don't handle these things carelessly. Don't be deceived. Anything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. You've got to learn to pray. You've got to be careful. You've got to study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Able to rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to watch. You've got to pray. And I've been praying and asking God to give me what to preach. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God sent me here to try to stir up you young people and revive in you again and cause us to tap back into our roots of watching and praying. I'm hurrying today and I'm a lot closer to being through than what you and especially my friends may think. But I was thinking about three areas that we must guard, be so careful with, and be in continual prayer over. First and foremost, our doctrine. If we're not careful, we can be so careless with our soul that the only time we study God's word is when pastors before us on Sunday and Wednesday. I I, I grew up with men teaching and preaching to me and one thing that I admired about them is they encouraged you They encouraged you. Matter of fact, they expected it out of you to follow in your Bible as they taught. And they would tell us the reason we're expecting this out of you is because you don't need to just take my word for it. You need to know for yourself You need to know so you can amen me when I'm right and so you can oh my me when I'm wrong. Paul dealt with it. He said, I marvel. I'm amazed at how quickly you've been removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But Paul settled it right then, writing to the Galatian church. He said, if we are an angel, it doesn't matter who they are or who I am. If we come to you and we're preaching to you, 
anything besides this forever settled word. He said, you better mark them and let them be accursed. As we said before, so say out now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let me just preach to you for just a moment and declare to you that it doesn't matter who we try to impress. It doesn't matter who we try to befriend. At the end of the day, we've got to guard the fact that we have the only salvation message because the Bible still boldly declares, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he's not getting into the kingdom of God. Acts the second chapter and the 38th verse is not a revelation. It's a commandment. When they ask, what do I have to do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Not some of you, not if you agree with it, but every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what we need today? We need some young men that would guard this doctrine. We need some young men who would be careful with the truth that's been handed to us. I don't care what anybody says. The Bible still declares that neither is there salvation in any other. That means no other. There's no other name that can be given except the name of Jesus to remove sin out of somebody's life. Jude said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, not real intellectual, I didn't have a lot of pretty words, I didn't come with no new revelation, just the common salvation. Can I stop right here and talk to young men and young ladies who are desiring to do something from God? for God and desiring to receive something from God can I tell you that you will never be profound in your ministry than when you're just preaching the common gospel I've got a lot of friends brother young pastoring thriving revival churches I think I see brother Kitty go there here and I think of the work he and his brothers done But you know what? I still haven't heard them preach a message. And in one Sunday morning service, 3,000 people be added to their church in one day. So until we can outdo Peter, why don't we just preach what Peter preached? 
We're all talking about wanting revival. We're all talking about wanting a harvest. We're all talking about wanting to have to build bigger churches. And I, I tell you how you do it. Uh, you just preach the word, Timothy. Uh, you've got to preach it without fear. You've got to preach it without favor. Uh, it doesn't have to be with enticing words. Uh, you can use ain't, can't, y'all and them. Uh, but just preach the word. Uh, because it's the word of God uh, that brings salvation to man. There's lots of words I have to look up in the dictionary. But you know what? I don't have to look up anything that Peter preached. It's simple. Repent. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to live like this no more. How much simpler can you get than just be baptized in Jesus' name? Uh, you want help. You want victory. You want God to pick up the broken pieces of your life, put them back together. You don't have to have some word uh, that it takes six scholars to interpret. You just have to preach the word of God. Jude said, it's just common salvation. But it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you because if you're not careful, it'll become so common that you quit earnestly contending for that which was delivered to you. For there are certain men crept in unawares What did Jesus say? He said, you better watch and you better pray because of unawares. You better be on guard. You better be in tune to what the Spirit's speaking. He said, who were before old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men and they turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to some way help somebody understand that in our desire to be cutting edge, and I want to be cutting edge, I, I, I'm, I'm take, going to take some classes because I want to grow And I want to be more disciplined. And I want to be more knowledgeable. Don't you twist what I'm saying. I'm for all that. But at the end of the day, I've got to be more concerned with what does the Bible say rather than what does man want to hear. And and I want to be careful in how I say this. But I, I'm guilty myself. We do a lot of preaching at each other sometimes. But I, I've just been thinking lately. I wonder if some of the reasons that we are sensing such an overwhelming need to be intellectual and come up with something new and something that's never been heard. I wonder if some of that is stimulating by the lack of response in the pew to just simple Bible 
preaching. Because it's just in every preacher to want to give you something that causes you to respond. God just puts that in us. We want you to respond. Not to make us feel good about what we're preaching, but to connect you with God. And could it be that we have so many preachers searching for something new? Because when they preach what should be connecting you to God... Can I tell you, there should never be more demonstrative worship in your church than when your pastor just starts preaching Acts 2.38. You want to throw ties at the pulpit and wave handkerchiefs and kick off your shoes and rush the front? It ought to not have to take some new thing that you've ever, never heard. It ought to just take somebody preaching to you. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. That ought to provoke a response out of you because that's what saved you. That's what put your mom and daddy's home back together. That's what brought the blessings in favor of God. I was hurrying, but I believe I'm just going to take my time a minute. You, you, you would not believe the pressure to perform that is on the pulpit. I, I'm not making an excuse for anybody who, but I'm just telling you there's a pressure. There's a pressure to do just what I'm doing right now. Actually, there's a pressure not to do just what I'm doing. Because if I'd have got on preachit.org or something and got something that was some new thing and I could get you hyped up, you'd be rushing this front, pouring out of the bleachers. You know, some people aren't transparent enough to admit this, but it just makes us feel good about our preaching. I mean, that's why I was so aggravated, Brother Young, last night. I thought, that's stupid. <laughs> knowing what I had to preach, knowing you'd just be sitting there mad at God that he didn't reverse the role, I thought, no, this ain't fair. This ain't right. And we laugh about that. But if you could ever be prayerful enough and sober enough and on guard enough to understand that a lot of that pressure is coming from your lack of response to just simple Bible preaching. There's not very many of them here today, but I can tell you who would be responding to just simple Bible preaching. It's them 70 and 80 year old saints in churches that you represent. 
that they hadn't always been on the right side of the track and it hadn't always been popular to be a part of what is now your assembly. Uh, but they were coming out of abused homes. Uh, they had husbands that were alcoholics. Uh, they had wives uh, that were whores. They were all messed up. They were beat up. They were bruised up. And they went to a tent meeting somewhere. Uh, and it wasn't something far-fetched. Uh, it was just the love of Christ. Uh, it was just Acts 2.38. Uh, and now, uh, how dare us sit idly by uh, on the very doctrine uh, that dug us out. I'm trying to get you to think today. We've got enough pressure so you shouldn't be preaching like this at a youth meeting. Well, maybe I shouldn't, but I feel it in my spirit. There's enough on us without the pressure of trying to come up with something new just so our Sunday morning service uh, doesn't represent what it looks like down at First Baptist. Uh, I'm telling you, if your preacher preaches Acts 2.38 every service, uh, you should respond to it every service. If he preaches Ephesians for every service, uh, every time he just gets one Lord out of his mouth, uh, you are to start dancing. Uh, you are to start shouting. Uh, you are to get excited knowing uh, there is only one Lord. Uh, there is only one faith. Uh, there is only one baptism. Uh, there's only one God. Uh, and his name uh, is Jesus. Let me tell you, with this kind of preaching, somebody can get the Holy Ghost. With this kind of preaching, a spirit of revival can break out into your youth group. With this kind of preaching, chains can fall off. Lives can leave different because it's the anointing from the preached word of God that destroys the yokes of men. believe what kind of pressure there is to not be this simple at a meeting like this but it's the foolishness the world looks at this as foolishness but he said I'll take the foolish and I'll confound the wise because Acts 2.38 can do what no doctor can do Acts 4.12 can do what no prescription drug will do It can deliver the drug addict. It can set free the depressed. It can cast out all fear. But it's not an enticing word. It's just the preaching of the gospel.
Can you imagine what kind of revival would break out in your church? If you were revived with an understanding. This isn't about me being entertained. This is about me being saved. Can you imagine what kind of revival would break out? If they come to you, Pastor Buxton, and said, you know what? I appreciate all your study time, all your prayer time. But you don't have to come up with nothing new to get me on my feet. Just preach something that'll bring my backslidden mama home. Just preach something that'll give my drug addict brother out from underneath the bridge. Just preach me something that'll deliver my mom from all the drugs she's having to take to try to find joy. I don't need to be entertained. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Oh, come on. I think we ought to pray for our pastors right now. to guard our doctrine we've got to guard our doctrine we've got the pearl of great price oh you wonder why I'm so passionate about truth it's because you're looking at a young man my life was in a mess I'm telling you, I was the outcast. I was the one that the pastor got up warned about, said, now you don't, don't you be hanging out with him. Scars. I know about scars. Do you know why I'm here today? It's because I submitted myself to a man of God. I was riding the church yesterday evening with Brother Joey Adams and we got to talking. And I, we just, in conversation, we said, you know, really, Brother Holmes only has one message. Now, he might give it a hundred different titles and come up with all kinds of illustrations. But at the end of the day, it's just a simple message. It don't matter what he's preaching. He's got a set of keys somebody made him that's stuck up under that desk. And sometime in that service, he's going to get out them keys. And say it was Peter 
who had the keys of the kingdom. And when he gets through telling you what Peter said, he's going to move on to prayer. And he's going to say, if you're going to make it, you've got to pray. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because nobody knows me like I know me. And if it could work for me, Brother Williams, it can work for anybody. And so if it can work for anybody, I can't for the life of me understand why we would want to preach anything else besides watch, be careful, be sober, Guard your gift and pray. I know you're standing and I'm supposed to be closing. And I am. Let me tell you something else we need to guard. We need to guard our identity. We were never meant to blend in. We were never meant to be accepted by the mainstream. He said, you're not like everybody. You're a chosen generation. You're royalty. You look around you today. You're looking at God's finest. chosen people there's never been a pressure like that of today to quit guarding and being careful with our identity I go to a public gym two sometimes three days a week when I go I'm not trying to blend in I played basketball just as good as anybody in there And I got on long pants and long sleeves. I remember I was preaching a revival in McMinnville, Oregon. It was several years ago. I hadn't quite figured this growing out business yet I could still run pretty quick and I got invited to start playing scrimmaging with a bunch of the college athletes there in McMinnville at their local community college and I'd go down there lunchtime some days and play when we weren't having service and I remember the first couple times I walked in there it was like I had a plague because of the way I was dressing. They said, well, we got a locker room full of stuff if you don't. I mean, if you can't buy no shorts, we got, if you can't afford it, I mean. You know how you just kind of try to shrug it off at first. 
But there was something about me different. They knew it was more than just the way I dressed, so they'd get to talking. It was just their custom. Long before I ever got there, they, they played shirts and skins. And they'd try to get me to take off my shirt, and I'd say, no, I'll, I'll just sit. I'll wait till the next game. I don't do that. And you would have thought that would have caused them to think I was the most stupid, ignorant, idiotic. But you know what? It wasn't but a couple days. And I'd go in there. And the skin team could lose. And so the shirts be staying on the court. And they'd say, I hate it, fellas. But the preacher's here. So you're going to have to take off your shirt. Because we're not going to make him take off his. You know what started getting around? If you got troubles, you need to go talk to that crazy guy that won't take off his shirt. You know that dude we're all talking about because he wears long pants at the basketball court? I told some of them the other day we was laughing. They said, man, you got to be burning up. Here they are in tank tops and shorts and sweat dripping off them like it's dripping off me. I said, really? Because here I am sweating and you don't have a sweat one. He just kind of looked at me and said, well, I never thought about it like that, preacher. I mean, does that much sleeve length really make a difference in how hot you are on the court? No. And I'm not saying it does, but what if just that much makes a difference of where you spend eternity? Young ladies, you don't have to you don't have to wear that which is an abomination. You don't have to do it. And you can keep your long hair and take care of it. Not put scissors in it. There's a pressure, but you've got a guard. But can I tell you the reason? He said, Watch and pray is because if you won't pray, you will not watch. Because it's prayer that brings on the sense that is not of this world. See, you, 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 you don't pick up the paper and realize this thing's coming to a close. But I'm going to tell you, if you're a praying young man or a praying young lady... 
You don't need to pick up the paper because I'll tell you what happens to me now about every time I get to pray and I'm praying until I'm in the Holy Ghost. Just something starts coming over me and I, I'm not even th- I ain't even thinking about the Lord coming back. And I get to pray until I'm praying in the Holy Ghost and it's just like it just drops. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. And I'm going to tell you, through prayer, when that that sense that it's about to happen comes over me. Then it causes me to get out the checklist and say, am I okay right here? Am I okay over there? Would would I hear it well done? Would I be trapped in the snare? Or would I have an escape? Let me tell you, it shouldn't just be the 60-year-olds that know how to travail in your church. You need to learn how to pray until you pray. In the spirit. I'm going to tell you, we shouldn't have to get up here and push you for 30 minutes just for you to hit that breakover part to where you get through the realm of your flesh and into the vein of the spirit. But it's something you are to be practiced at. It's something you are to be doing every day of your life. Tell you what I want us to do. I want them to just play softly. That's all I want is just them to play softly. And I want us to turn this into an old-fashioned, old-time Pentecostal prayer meeting. And I'm going to tell you, if we'll do that, there will be things happen in this house. (laughs) If we'll pray until we pray through our flesh and we get into the Spirit, I'm telling you, healings will take place. uh, Spiritual and physical and emotional deliverances will take place you'll begin to have peace you'll begin to have joy but you've got to learn to watch and to pray come on I wonder if there's any young people that you could close your eyes and you could block everything else out and you could turn up the volume of your voice and you could cry out. <laughs> Come on, this isn't an IG moment. This is a Holy Ghost moment. This isn't something that bystanders need to be catching in a picture. It's something that you need to...